Welcome to Two Daydream Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Space Serpent 18. And tonight we are starting the, um, we're kicking off the first half of our two-parter on the first time, which is going to be a lot of fun. This one is going to uh, specifically just look at the episode, and um, next week's is going to be a look at the script and behind-the-scenes stuff, so it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for these next two weeks, so... Um, joining me on these t- on this particular one, coming back to join the madness, is um, Z Kerouac and Snarky Hag. Welcome back, guys. Hi, good to be back. Hi. So um, we should uh, we should put a disclaimer on this episode, just like it was when it aired, <laughs> that we will be talking <laughs> about gay sex. And because you know, bang, bang, bangity bang, they're gonna bang, bang, bangity bang. So. Bang. Um, and so, yeah, we, this episode is actually, um, something that's very special to me, actually. Um, it is the episode that made me fall in love with Clayne. And, um, I don't know how I missed, like, the end of season two stuff or what my headset was. I don't really remember. But this one is really where I, I, it's such a, it has such a romantic feel to it and, and kind of hits a lot of the kinks, I guess, that I have, um, that I, I really fell in love with them here. So, yeah. First time, guys. Um, starting well, off. A, oh, go ahead. It's such a great episode. It's, it's really well structured. It's very well written. The songs all go together. The parallels that they sometimes push actually work. Um, and it works especially well for Klain slightly less so for Finchel, but it still makes Finchel work in a way that it usually doesn't. And they tie it into this fantastic musical. So it's got a lot of great stuff going on. Then there's some other stuff that I forgot about entirely until I, mean, I watched it again. But I, this I is pick- a really solid episode. I think that it's pretty good. Um, it's not one of my favorites. Um, but those are for more personal reasons, like the fact that I hate West Side Story. <laughs> oh, really? I, I'm I'm fully understand. I get the gas. I don't. I, <laughs> I just I don't like the music. And every time it's performed, it's a whole bunch of white people trying to pretend to be Puerto Rican. And so I just I I don't like West Side Story. You know, and I feel that way about Greece. One of my so. favorite jokes in this episode is when they make Rory try and be Puerto Rican. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. and, 
Okay, so again, with, uh, you know, throwing this out there, I watched this episode for the first time in years last night. So again, I had forgotten that Rory existed. (laughs) Because he apparently makes absolutely no impression on me for each of these season three episodes that I rewatch every single time. It's like, who are you? Oh, wait, you're that kid. Throwing it out there, I really, we should put this in context, even though these podcasts will be um, in order. The thing that sticks out to me is that I've seen the first time like a million times, but when you stick it in the context of what's going on with the rest of season three, it stands out so much as this really, a really good episode because the mess of everything else that's going on, you have the Rory stuff, you have all of this like election, school election stuff that's kind of a mess, you have the Finn, Puck, not Finn, the Puck, uh, Quinn, Shelby triangle of... God, why is this happening on my screen? Um, like, all the Trouble Tone stuff, Santana's botched coming out. I mean, it's all just awful, awful plot lines in the beginning of season three. And then you get this, which just is this, you know, standalone little thing. It's a, it's a very good island of an episode. Yeah. I mean, you, don't, you don't have to remember a lot of what previously on Glee. Right. You, you don't have to remember a lot of it to understand what's going on. Exactly. And then it kind of ignores everything else that's going on. Um, it does. So it's kind of a nice like breather from this ridiculousness of season three. You, <laughs> but, you don't totally. have to keep up with 47 different characters and what they're doing. Right. And I think that's the hallmark of a good Glee episode can either, when they are able to, the few times that they do it, um, balance the ensemble really well, or they focus on on only a couple of storylines. And that's what makes this one work. I mean, if you notice, Will is not in this episode at all. I did notice. (laughs) I didn't didn't recognize that until the very end. I was like, oh, wait. Wait, he was not there. Neither was Sue. Sue's not. Oh, wait, Sue wasn't in it. Yep. <laughs> I totally did not even notice. Yeah, exactly. And I love Sue. Like, she's bonkers. I love her, but... I did not even notice. Right. Huh. So, um, but when we open up, um, we open up with Ari, <laughs> God, and his um, director ambitions. And um, I just want to point out one thing that's just really funny to me is when he's telling Rachel to, like, pick out a dress and he picks out the most ridiculous one. It just makes me laugh. Oh, the ones with the flowers on our boobs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is an amazing... And I, I want to know why it was in their costume closet. Like, I want to know what other show they did. They were like, yeah, this is totally what we're going to have, and let's just keep it for whatever's going to come next. Or did it come from Rachel's personal costume closet? No, it probably came from when they did Oklahoma in the 70s. <laughs> so. Yeah, I do... I, as much as my the first thing in my notes is, ugh, Artie... I do appreciate that they try and have some context for Artie and his storyline while irritating and completely inappropriate is consistent. The character of Artie starts in a place, goes to another place and ends in a place that makes sense. Yes. Um, Even the way that he acts like an idiot in this initial scene, which we'll get to, so I won't say anything about it yet. Right. But like, as much as I really am like not plussed about having to see Artie, I'm like, well, you know, there's one character they just like they picked a lane and they stayed in it. I mean, one of the things that I also appreciated about it was Glee has a really hard time with allowing characters to enjoy the arts without being performers. Right. Um, yes. 
And it's it's kind of the same way that they don't let anybody enjoy the outs without enjoy the arts without wanting to be a professional performer. So yeah. like there's there's no room in Glee world for somebody to want to be a lawyer, but who also likes to sing in the community choir. Right. So, because if you enjoy the arts, of course you're going to become a professional singer because that's the only thing you can absolutely do. And so I really appreciate that they let him be like, oh, this is where I actually shine. I'm a good director. Yeah. It's it's not somebody who's a performance based skill. Um but that's my minuscule little way not to totally suck. Well, and it's, it's kind of... Oh, go ahead, Snarky. No, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, Artie being a director makes a lot of sense to me. And while Artie is one of those characters that the more I think about it, the more every time he comes on the screen, I'm a little like, uh, why? Um, but I do buy him as a director, and I do think it's a good fit, and... and He's at least interesting as a director. If, but you know, yeah. we can get into this scene. Well, yeah, like, he's, like he says, the way to be a great director is to have opinions on everything. Yeah, and be bossy. And yes. I don't like him as a person, but as a character, he's a solid character. Yes, totally agree. And there, he's consistent. I mean, like a lot of the characters can be written inconsistently, um, and Artie is not. He is always kind of a dick. Yeah. There <laughs> and is I, a moment. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump to it. So there's the part when, yeah, when you know, the Ander twins are singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, at the end, they all have their notes. And hilariously, Emma says that she wants more teeth, even though Rachel is like all teeth. She's nothing but teeth. <laughs> She's all teeth. Her teeth go And Artie talks house. about how, you know, he's like giving them all this flack for the fact that they basically, they're like sort of being sissies about not having sex yet. And if you remember how it was for Artie when he and Brittany had sex, he was really emotionally conflicted afterwards. He was upset with her. He felt like he had been taken advantage of. And it was like a huge big deal for him. And then now, you know, you fast forward a year and whatever, and he's like talking about it like it's no big thing. And he doesn't understand why people don't just like go for it. And it's 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 not that it's inconsistent. It's completely consistent with the kind of like whole way of like well now that I've done it clearly like everybody else needs to be on the same page as me and like it's this like braggadocio that Artie totally has which if you remember him being emotionally vulnerable with Brittany you're like well wait a minute hold up like you understand why someone might wait but right now he's just like bossy and demanding and at a place where he's totally comfortable with sex however he can have it Um, which again is consistent because when he goes to college similar you know like Artie just kind of stays on this particular road yeah. it's self-centered it's it's irritating it's bossy but it is 100% like just pure character the right. whole time see and I got I this is one of the things that I had forgotten happened in this episode and so I'm watching it and I had this horrible because my you know how I remember the episode was, you know, the, you know, gentle holding of the hands as they were in bed. And it's like, oh, this is so sweet. And everybody's, this is such a great representation. People are, you know, you know, it's, it's really important for people to see this. And I was watching it yesterday and I had this horrible, like the entire plot, the entire episode is put into motion because he's slut shaming them for being virgins. Right. Well, not entirely. Yeah. It, I mean, that's not how entirely. it comes off. It's like, so you are, you're a virgin who of, can't drive. I mean, that's kind of the, the 
the feeling it, that it's coming across with it. It absolutely pushes Rachel in a particular way. It makes, you can tell Blaine, he looks conflicted. And sometimes he just looks conflicted because he doesn't want to say you're being a total jerk. But in the incredibly irritating made me a man meta that Glee has, Artie literally says he, he liked it. He liked the excitement, the way it made me feel like a man. And mind you, he's in a chair. And because of that, for plenty of reasons, he was treated that as less than a man. Like, for example, in the pilot where they suddenly had to get a guy to be in Glee Club, even though they had to. But, you know, those two didn't count. Um, right. And so you, you see them sort of slut shaming. But in my opinion, um, you know, for lack of a better term, the two alphas in the relationships are the people who start off, like start things going down this road. Rachel and Kurt are the people who put things into motion. It's just the timing of everything else. The timing of it for Blaine makes him think about some of these other things more. But, you know, Kurt's already biting his hands while Blaine's dancing in his bedroom. And it's apparent that, you know, they're moving in a direction. I mean, I'm certainly not saying that, like, you know, that, you know, Kurt doesn't want it or isn't thinking about it. But with the comments at the beginning and me watching it with those comments fresh in my mind and the actions of both Rachel and Blaine um, throughout the rest of the show, it's like (laughs) this episode is really only put into motion because you two got called out for being virgins (laughs) and you you took that really poorly. And you're like, well, of course, I mean, I'm 16. Why should I be a virgin this week? We got to fix this because I've got to be a good performer. And I'm just sitting there going, this is not the gentle touch of the hand episode that I remembered. No, certainly not for Rachel. To to input a couple of things. um, The first is, and um, for listeners, we we actually get into this way more in the second half of this, this particular thing, but the script um, actually has Rachel and Blaine a little bit more uh, a parallel. And and this um, episode is particularly known for the, the paralleling of Finchel and Klain, which we get for like the next two years. And um, there is more of an insinuation in the script that Blaine is going to follow the Rachel path and not that he pressures, but that Kurt is a little bit more timid. But um, so this, that what Artie's statement of the slut shame really was what um, was going to be initiated on both sets. But the fact that, I, I don't know if it was direction or just the acting or, or a combination of everything, but I give credit to you know, Darren and Chris and the director and the props people and everybody for changing the tone of the script because you get Blaine going down this very different path than Rachel does. Because in this story, Rachel very much is, okay, well, I need to, you know, be this, you know, not virgin for this part. I'm going to go do that. And Blaine, it's just a different thing. I mean, it, it's kind of a loosely attached to it. I don't it, know. I'm, I'm the, still picking up. I, I still pick up a little bit of a... I, I've got to get this done for you know. There's, there's absolutely because, the because I got called out Blaine's, on it. Yeah, there's absolutely the gif of Blaine's like, you know, you've seen it that like I have to bang Kurt for the greater good. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, who doesn't? And it's almost like Artie. You know, there's lots of pressures on him all the time from different people and from within himself. And I feel like what Artie did is just sort of he just nudged it a little bit. Just put it a little more into that column for him with the way it works in the episode. Whereas Rachel just straight up goes for it. Before we get onto the the Roxas scene thing, though, um, 
there's a couple of other interesting things I want to point out. One is that this episode is the first... It, it's not exactly Blaine-centric, but it's the first time we get Blaine scenes without Kurt in them. And it's the first yes. time we get um, Blaine as his own character. Um, and it's still very much connected to Kurt, but it's the first time we get him kind of separate from... You know, he gets to be his own person, and we get to follow him more than we follow Kurt. And I think that's kind of interesting. That kind of starts here. Um, yeah. And then um, the other thing, should we just, like, take a second and talk about the fact that Emma and Beast are both virgins and how I feel like the thing that Artie's, you know, I, I just don't like Artie's speech also because he is slut-shaming them, but also, like, here are these two adults who, you know, clearly have their own intimacy issues that we find out throughout the series. And I just, I hate that, like, Artie's mentality is, quote-unquote, society's mentality, and that these older women also feel ashamed because they're still virgins, and it just drives me crazy, so. When I was rewatching it, I was thinking, God, you know, this thing that Artie does with Beast is abhorrent and inappropriate. But if it had been instead a conversation between Emma and Beast afterwards, what did different like what a different interesting way this episode could have worked out now maybe everybody needed the nudge from Artie. maybe that's what they're saying in the episode but i sort of yeah. found myself longing for like the cutscene of the two of them sort of trying to talk about it but still obviously being a little bit awkward because i'd rather see a conversation between emma and beast about this specific thing partially because they're both adults you know <laughs> I mean, and as, as because, adults and school you know, officials, they also should have shut that conversation down when kid director yeah. was complaining yeah. that his 16-year-old co-stars were like, you're just virgins. I don't understand why that's, you know, that's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. You should have somebody put it in your pants. The other like, thing yeah. about Artie, yeah. too, though, is that the one thing that I like Glee, that, that Glee does with it is that they don't frame it. Because you look at Artie's, you know, when he looks back on it, it's not really that great of an experience. And you get these two couples, and Finchel, well, I personally find questionable, is supposed to be framed as here are these two yeah. couples who are really in love with each other and are really ready to take that next step. And I do appreciate that, that the ending is not Artie's, you know, goal of, you know, you have to get this done because society tells you and, you know, whatever, I think it's fun, so you should do it too. But it's really that these two couples are ready to do that and yeah. have this romantic feeling with each other, so... There are so many, I mean, I love the background jokes that Glee does. I love that they basically, they go from the scene where Artie tells uh, Rachel and Blaine that they need to be having sex to Finn hanging a poster up that says, put a berry on top. <laughs> Great joke. <laughs> Fucking fantastic joke. Okay. And then they're in the hallway and Finn invites her over because Bert and Carol are out all week canvassing. Okay, right. so is Kurt just at Blaine's house all the time? Probably. So like, can I, can I also make a comment about when it's something that I noticed and I didn't think about it until the end of it. In this episode, Finn calls his mother Carol. Like, does he do that throughout the rest of the series? Doesn't he call her mom? But he's like, yeah, you Bert and think. Carol aren't there. You would think. Oh, that's exciting. Like, why the hell I've are you calling her before. Carol? She's yeah. your mother. And then there's another fantastic parallel that I'd never noticed before because I think I probably fast forwarded this scene before. But so then they're in the hallway and, you know, Finn and Rachel are talking about making plans. And he was like, do you want to come over? And her response is, go to your house. So and then there's so then we've got the parallel of like, I want to go to your house, go to your house thing. 
like Glee cannot give up on like these really obvious little like nudges to each thing. Well, they and, only have um, a certain number of post-it notes they can put with story points on the wall, so they just have you to know, read some dialogue. I mean, seriously, put a berry on top. <laughs> sure, sounds great. Um, you know, and a berry on bottom, like, and a berry on side. Well, and they're going to pop the yeah. cherry. I mean, get it? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, also I had a, the end of I had a scene, taste of that berry. Oh, my God. Okay, they're in, <laughs> they're in uh, the, the hallway at school, and normally those scenes end with... Um, the bell sound, but the scene ends like the two of them kiss and they walk off and they're all like jittery and excited. And it's the revving engines. I mean, Jesus Christ, Glee, the revving engines from the music of the next scene. So it's like these two revving and then it continues revving and then there's blame dancing. Before we get into that though, I, I, before we, I, I, um, there is one quick thing. Well, there's two quick things. First of all, did you want to talk about tonight at all? Cause we kind of skipped over that about Rachel and Blaine singing. Well, they sound great. And they are passionate, but not towards each other. I mean, they, the thing of, one of the things that makes this episode so good, because I like West Side Story, is that all of the songs are super appropriate. They're sung by characters that we care about. They're doing interesting stuff. Like, it all ties in really, really well, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be a lot better if I actually liked West Side Story. But yeah, time sure. The song if you, came you on, it's like... My eyeballs are rolling to high heaven going, oh, can we move on to something else? Oh, now you so, know how, th- yeah. when, when we get to season four, it's Grease. I'm, oh God, I'm the same oh, way. If it makes yeah. you feel better, I hate Grease There's too. There's a perfect example <laughs> of season four's Grease. I swear, I like Santana a lot of theater, up. but man. Why? <laughs> Why? I don't like. <laughs> um, well, just, I wanted, it, it's interesting to me that, right, that, that, Artie is coming, commenting on them. Well, they aren't really acting the scene, too. I don't know why they're, like, three days before the show and they're not actually acting the scene, but... Um, because they also they never practice. applied for college yeah. before they went <laughs> off to college and they never practiced for regionals before they get to the competition? Because so Blaine is adorable in that vest. Uh, but, I mean... Oh, he is kind of adorable in that vest. These two... Rachel and Blaine actually do have chemistry. The fact that they don't hear... Speaks to, I think, Artie's direction more than anything. I mean, come on. Like, these two, you know, when you go back to blaming on the alcohol and they were like... They only, they only they really have, have chemistry, they have chemistry when, when they've imbibed chemistry. They I have mean, chemistry when they're hamming it up. Yeah, or Like when know, they drunk. do Broadway Baby, they have chemistry. Oh, yeah. But they don't have chemistry here because they don't actually have chemistry with each other. They may be two pretty people, but especially since they're talking about basically soulmates you know it points that the two of them really they really are not connected in that way and and i like that they did that i like that they made them really good at the song but not totally connected because they're not it's the trying to be trying too hard to be sexy thing and they get you know they really do faces they really do feel like each other brother and sister here they a little bit in this episode yeah they are so anderberry in this they are anderberry which I love. I love this portion of their relationship. I like it when they're friends and they're idiots and like they work really well as that. The other thing I was going to uh, mention was in the hallway scene with Finn and Rachel, <laughs> the fact that I, there's the election stuff. It's a minor um, commentary on the election because actually Kurt and Rachel aren't talking at the moment uh, because she joined the election. And <laughs> Finn is like, or she, Rachel's like, I want to know who you're voting for. 
And he's like, I don't know. I don't know what's between my girlfriend and my brother. And she goes, can your brother do, do this? And she kisses him. And he's like, not unless you're in Kentucky. But I'm like, oh, my God. What the hell, Lee? Did you forget the first season? <laughs> I mean, oh, no. They totally I didn't forget like because the joke, joke is. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind like of I thought that the joke, joke was, the you know. season. Well, you know, he's not doing it to me now, but he certainly tried. <laughs> well, I don't know. Just like, oh my god, yeah. Glee. You know, if I had I, said I okay, loud at that part. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> okay, so anyway, now that we've, you know, now we're finally getting to the first clean scene. I'm sorry, guys, for like prolonging it. Um, but yeah, we get into as um, as Snarky said, you know, you get the revving engines into the Roxy music scene, which is. Blaine's bedroom and um, Kurt sitting on that bed and watching his boyfriend dance around and really liking what he's seeing. And Kurt also, and he's not sitting on the bed. He is laying on the bed. Out. He is Kurt stretched is, yeah, out. Yeah. I mean, there is nothing. Kurt, is, I'll try and be polite here. So why <laughs> are, are, are you afraid that you might be judged? Kurt is, um, he's laying on his stomach with his legs propped up and his he's hands in his, his hands. Mouth. And he's being, a, he's dressed literally like a minx and is being a minx and is watching Blaine. Now, I assume this is the same day. It's confusing because Blaine took off the sweater vest. So I think maybe that's the outfit. I have to has, the pants. Lee has no I can only guess what, what day, day it was. I used Blaine's outfit to guess what day it was because I think the show opens on Friday. And that makes sense to me if it's the same day. Oh, let's not but even Kurt try with the timeline like, of this episode. It doesn't mouth, make any sense. He's like mouthing at his fingers. Kirk was a you cheetah know. sitting in a tree going, uh, I'm a hunter and it's you season. I mean, he looked like he was like one stage re- stage direction away from like kind of rubbing into the bed a little bit. Like as Blaine dances around and Blaine is gloriously unaware. And I see that's what I love about this scene. Like it completely is about Kurt like looking at his boyfriend going, why did I make these stupid rules? I really want this right now. Let me test the mm-hmm. waters. I'm nervous and I'm scared, but man, do I really want this? Yeah. Plus, and we I get think that Blaine actually saying the word masturbation, I, which oh just, my God. It, it amuses me to no end. Because I remember the first time I watched, I was not expecting him to say that. I don't think anybody and, was. And not I only was, does he, oh, I mean, amazing. He, he doesn't just say masturbation. He specifically points out, hey, Kurt, I masturbate to you. Which, right. I mean, sure, yeah. He had, look, he look had the hand motions bed. to go along with it. <laughs> I mean, he was he was sitting there twirling his hands going, it's why it's called masturbation. It's like, oh my. Let's take a second <laughs> and think about also, like, Blaine is usually so composed up to this point and, like, very showmanzy and very, like, uh, this is how I present myself to the rest of the world and it's in a very specific, measured mm-hmm. way. And here he's really, it's the first time, I think, other than maybe, like, blame it on the alcohol when he's drunk, that he really kind of lets loose and he's relaxed because he's in his room with his boyfriend. Yeah. And he they're gets in to, one of their nobody's safe watching spaces. Him. Yeah. They're in one of their safe spaces. The door's shut. They're at home. They're both there. They're both able to be way more comfortable than they are other places. Blaine's parents either don't live there or don't come upstairs. <laughs> he, he lives in his own magical castle that... You know, does not actually adhere to the laws of physics. See, that's why Kurt's yeah. over there all the time. <laughs> that's that's my point. It's they, you know, um, you know, it doesn't Kurt's not at the house with. Well, why would Kurt want to hang out with Finn if he could be hanging out with Blaine? Honestly, but 
you know, knowing that if he goes to Blaine's house, you can shut the door and no big deal, you know. And like, you know, if there's it's canon that Blaine likes to hang out with the Hudmull family because they seem like a great family. But that's not really what these two dudes want to be doing right now. And so I like that we get to see them. Um, you know, Blaine is sans a couple layers, so he's a little more comfortable. Kurt is stretched out. He's more comfortable. They're in their safe space, which allows Kurt to say things like, do you ever want to just rip each other's clothes off? And allows Blaine to just blurt things. He's a blurter, you know? Yes. <laughs> like when they- and, yes, he and is he a blurter. And he does have a thing about being honest with Kurt. And so he... He he has a particular shell, but as he as he loosens that a little bit, we do get to see some like really excellent parts of him. And I like the fact that he's you can tell he's really trying to be conscientious about being a solid person who would never want to rush anything. And, and I think that's partially why this little nudge from Artie, along with all the other nudges that Blaine's getting, is what finally allows him to feel more comfortable. I mean, he doesn't really truly feel comfortable until Kurt says, yes, let's do this. You know, he's waiting for somebody else. He's waiting for Kurt to, like, have the full buy-in. Um, but I just love watching the. I mean, I know I'm an idiot, but, like, I love watching them just, like, hang out together. And oh, and we don't, like. we don't really get enough of it in the series in general. We, oh, we, no. Everything never. is so public all the time. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of conversations we'll have in season three about how... Uh, we, I mean, there's lots, we won't get into it here, but a lot of the stuff about the, the censorship and a lot about how, you know, they're they're a gay couple in public a lot of times, and we don't get very many private scenes between the two of them, and yeah. I just feel This like, episode has so much intimacy. Yeah. And it's really kind of amazing, and I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, baby penguin Kurt, or the fact that Kurt is always seems desexualized, and I'm like... You know, it's yeah. not, unless, I don't necessarily believe it's true. I think on the outside, I can see how somebody can see that. But when you're really looking for these moments, throughout the series, Kurt is the more sexual one. And I'm not that Blaine is not. I'm not saying that. But, like, Kurt wants it all the time. <laughs> well, Blaine is just clueless. Like, I mean, Blaine just doesn't, he, he just doesn't realize that it's going on. So it's kind yeah. of like... I would I would like to climb you like a tree, sir. Would you like to schedule this? Oh yeah, totally. Didn't there are lots even of places. That. Although I do have to admit that I do enjoy the trope of uh, baby penguin Kurt. That is one of my favorites. It's just adorable. There are just so many places where like one or the other of them has to be the person who takes the lead in that scenario. Like that's how their relationship works out. And I like that they switch around, like each person getting to choose this or that based off of like where yes. their strengths are. And you're right. When it comes to sex, Kurt is the instigator. Blaine is there consistently with compliments and flirtations. He keeps the connection open. He is ready and waiting in a lot of ways. He's just constantly, oh, I like this. I like that. Compliment, compliment, compliment. And Kurt's basically the one who, like, flips the switch, like, it's go time or not. Well, and I think there's something that I, it, that I really love about their dynamic in that we have Kurt who... Like, it touches such a big thing for him. So here's this boy who really, like, showers him with all of this, you know, um, adoration. And then, you know, is able to touch him in a very loving way. And it just, for better or worse, better terminology, he gets off on it. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's just, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and, um, you know, in the same way, like, like, 
the, Blaine gets the emotional connection that he doesn't seem to get in other places. And we'll see going on for that. That's what he needs is the emotional part. And Kurt yeah. does the physical well, because part. Because he lives in a magical empty castle and there's nobody else around him. So I, I love, this is like, Clan's going to fall apart after this. <laughs> and I love that this is <laughs> really them at their best. This is them trying to, you know, they're testing the waters and, and trying to figure it out. And like Kurt kind of putting it out there. I'm guessing Kurt was the one who said what, you know, maybe Blaine, you know, when they started dating, I don't know how exactly this worked in the summer, but me, you know, Kurt was the one like, let's take it slow. I can see him starting that conversation and Blaine just following I don't know. I could see them both sort of being at a point where, I mean, okay, so that first kiss is like, Jesus Christ, are you guys going to do it on top of the casket? Yeah. She's going to roll around in the glitter, find something that sticks Ouch. to him. Ouch. Um, so I could see them both wanting, like, each of them wanting to, like, have that conversation and set those boundaries. That's, that's really a lot about who those characters are. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be my... And the one with the bedazzled ass. <laughs> I probably should not have that as a title name, but anyway. I don't know. I, I feel like that's pretty solid. <laughs> anyway, it, it really it really sticks to you. Oh my god! <laughs> Before this what goes up. after this one, oh, one day okay. you're gonna stop to inviting like, me back. Am I right that like this is the commercial break after this scene? I think so, but yeah. I'm not like I I think there's a couple of things that I'm not. That we have to talk about the um, the layers part of this, oh, and um, yeah. the fact that he's literally wearing layers, and and the fact he that so many layers. I'm just, I I love that it's on like there's this whole conversation that they're not having underneath the conversation that they are. That Kurt's like, hey, you know, I think I might be ready for sex, but I'm still scared. And Plain's like, you know what? We'll take it slow, and when we do it, we do it, and like. That's kind of what's said underneath of the, you know, the layers line. And I think that's just really cool. Well, I also like that. So they're in the room and Blaine's, you know, physically exerting himself. So he's, Blaine's already removed some layers. And then Kurtz gets hot under the collar and his advice is to open the window. Dude, you're wearing like four (laughs) sweaters. (laughs) One of my. One of my favorite fan art pieces that I wish I could find again was Blaine trying to take off all of his layers and he just kept on finding cardigans on cardigans on cardigans <laughs> on, on Kurt. Like there was no way to get under the layers. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And that's what I think of whenever we hear the layers yeah. line is, is that piece of art. I love it in fic whenever there's like Kurt's clothes are too complicated for Blaine to get off oh, and he, he wears those like frustrated. crazy harness too many zippers thing. or buckles or something and yeah he's just like Ugh. <laughs> i don't know how to unhatch this i don't how do you do this it's like oh no it's, it's just you know one two three four x y z and purple we're good <laughs> like <laughs> tab <wow>. a <laughs> you know what i just thought of was a parallel now that I, it just hit me i've never thought about this this way before think about though at the beginning you know they're talking about layers and they're on the bed and the next time we see them on the bed together is during the little sex montage at the end so mm-hmm. when they get through all well, the they've layers removed some layers but not their socks not enough <laughs> you know what i realized i I thought, because Rachel's in, like, a negligee, Finn is wearing <laughs> jeans when they get into bed. He has his jeans on. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I no longer feel bad. But I mean, this is also 
the kid who thought he got his girlfriend pregnant because he came in a tub. So I just like that of all of them, Rachel's like, we're doing not. it. Let's get down to the basic layers. <laughs> well, his basic layer is his jeans. He's under the sheets. Yeah. In the jeans. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was a tad chilly. Oh, boy. <laughs> so um, Maybe Rachel wants to do it, but she's unaware of... <laughs> You know the mechanics of it, and Finn is under the wrong impression as to what's going on. So maybe they you know think what? they're doing it right. I, you know, maybe the sex they had did not require Finn taking his jeans off. This is true. I would, I would not give him that much credit, but you know, maybe. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> getting away from Finchel, <laughs> we get, um, we get a, a little smooch at the end of this, which is cute. Um, which is the first time they they kiss post original song. We don't get a lot of kisses in this show, do we? Um, we don't. Now we don't. I do remember what the scene is after this because it cracks me up every time I listen to it. <laughs> it's Beast and she is welding something and she she stops and she's like, "Man, I love welding." And Artie's like, "Clearly." <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh every nose? time. In my notes, I have in all caps, this conversation is totally inappropriate. B should shut this whole thing down and talk to Emma or any other adult. God, even Will would be better than Artie. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you've reached the that's nadir the of something when yeah, Will is your best scene. option. Seriously. <laughs> when it's like, you know what would be a better scene than this if you talk to Will? And even Sue would have been better. Oh, okay, Sue is going to go after Pewter anyway, but you know. Yeah. You know what I mean. Okay. Anyway. Do we have to talk about this? No. Anymore? No. I just wanted the, the welding line makes me laugh. I don't know why. So, but anyway. Then can we go to the next fantastic parallel of Blaine descending the Dalton staircase? Yes. I warblers. I my warblers so yeah. much. And he's wearing another outfit. But this has to be Tuesday, maybe? Who knows? We're, we're not going to do again, the time thing. It's just again, too complicated. Dalton exists in some sort of magical liminal space that you know all of these kids look the same age for years they've been there since the late 1800s they've never actually graduated mm -hmm. uh, magic is a real thing and it's considered completely appropriate to flirt with a french teacher i love and she's like yeah i do that First of all, it's the only teacher to ever show up. So the which is why I'm not sure that, that she's, she's a not a real. She person. is. She's Madame Claudette. That's what she is in the script. Oh ah. my god. <laughs> well, it doesn't say French. Doesn't the book say French lessons? Yeah. Like, yes. Okay. Subtle. Learning Jesus French Christ again. <laughs> why don't you just call it? Put a Frenchman on top. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but I love this song. This is my favorite Warbler song without Blaine. And this is the this is the format that they should have stuck with. I love. They should have had the Warblers moving on through. I mean, Sebastian, fine. That that actor is totally great. But like, if the songs had been sung in some way by like Nick and Jeff and Trent, we would have continued to just always love them instead of getting Hunter or some other weirdo thing. But like this iteration, I was so happy. For that warbler, I was so happy for that character to get to be the next lead warbler. But because but I there was a whole bunch of them of that them. got to have solo lines, yeah, which is great because great. when Blaine was there, it was you know they never did. They like, never did. Know, they sidestepped behind him, him, but they were they were so happy and they're adorable. And I miss my warblers and I love my warblers yeah. and I God I love my warblers. 
they see him and they love him, but they're still as harmonizing as ever. Those motherfuckers are still doing backflips in the middle of the Damn room. The straight. teacher thing is really weird, but also hilarious because it's a bunch of prep school boys talking about being like working class dudes, which the Warbler well, songs yeah. are always funny, but that one is especially funny to me. That is really funny. Now uh, that I think also, of it. Is this, this is the first time we see Sebastian. This right? is the first yes. time to Sebastian. Yes. So if he's, Obviously, he was not there last year because he didn't know any of these people and didn't know Blaine. And everybody worships the ground that Blaine walks on, which means that he's new at this high school, which means that he's playing a freshman. I no. think no, he's no, no, a no. sophomore. That he is a man of the world. He's he's been his family travels so much. He's new to this school because he's new to the area. Well, see, and he would have been a fresh if he was a freshman. He would have been a senior when Blaine was coaching the Warblers, and he wasn't there. So he was he's a sophomore. Oh yeah, see, I didn't. Remember. I thought he was a junior. How the fuck did he drive to Scandals? Okay, fine, he's a junior. I don't know, I but he's he not a freshman. I thought he was Kurt's age. I don't know, but I just have this like this horrible moment of I'm sorry. Are we supposed to believe? I mean, I get that Finn is actually like in his 30s in real life, but <laughs> are we supposed to believe that you're 14? Because this is creepy. Well, I think that's yeah. what the joke is. Do I look like a okay. freshman? I think that's what the joke is. But I, I also like I did the math on this when I, when I re- watched it last, and it was he it was in the school when Blaine is a senior, so he's at least Blaine's age, but he's not there. It, when Blaine does the um, uh, coaches the Warblers, and there's a two year difference between that because the stupid Glee time stuff. So he either yeah. graduated in that year in between, or he graduated when Blaine graduated. So whatever you, if he's either a junior or a sophomore. So whatever you want, he's in the same grade as Blaine. He moved to Central City, and you know, gained power. Keeps over. fucking up the damn timeline. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> So maybe there is some other timeline where this just (laughs) goes out completely differently because of, you know, goddamn Barry Allen. (laughs) Okay, so if anybody wants to write some fic with that, that would be amazing. (laughs) So, but yeah, going back to the, I just want to give a shout out to Trent and his worship of Blaine and like, are you coming back to the Warblers, please? I just, I love Trent. So that, That boy is thirsty for Blaine. I mean, it's fantastic. I think I had canon myself, and I'm sure other people have, that he's just got the most adorable little crush on Blaine. And not in a creepy way, but just... In, like, in another universe, I would love for, like, him to somehow get involved with Sue's plot to get them back together. Yes! obviously, he would be crushed to know that Blaine was I unhappy. I feel like that, had they had enlisted the original Warblers... To get them back together, that would have been <gasps> genius. Because I would the have original the fuck out of that. Wanted that. They wanted that so hard. They shipped it. They shipped yeah. it hard. They voted. They did. It is. Law. It was. It was official. Yeah. It's in the minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, let's talk like about. To, we'd like to go over the minutes of our last session uh, and approve them. Uh, we voted that they should bang. Uh, because they are pretty at making each other happy. Uh, do we have uh, a vote to approve these minutes? I all opposed? Nay. <laughs> these minutes have been accepted into the record. Oh. So let's talk about Blaine coming back to, to Dalton. And I, I think there is a part of him that really misses it. I think this is kind of home to him in some ways. I think also, that he was, likes Was this guys. the middle of a school day? Like, if, if they're in school guys, with the teacher, why wasn't Blaine in school? 
Because he Because the rules don't goes, apply to Blaine. Come on. He goes to the registrar, whoever it is, and is like, I gotta sign out now, puppy eyes. Thanks, you know, thanks, Susan. I hope your daughter's feeling better. Oh, yeah, great. See you later, you know. I mean, he's, the next liter- day he brings he's literally cookies a and Disney muffin, princess. You know? <laughs> she just walks through whatever. <laughs> I I didn't see Blaine as, like, longing for Dalton. He You know, he's back and he's visiting his friends. And it's nice, but it... But he doesn't exactly fit. And right. I like that they pointed that out. Like, this is a part of him. You know, they start right in with the hammering, with the parallel, with the, you know, you start with the window above the staircase. And then the shot. I mean, it's like the same shot. It's, it's so smart. Um, I'm still and, and he does get uncomfortable <laughs> when Sebastian starts sharking him. Well, and let's get into that scene where there it's um, parallel. It's not parallel, but like it's... Um, Played in between, what song are they, Santana and Rachel singing? A boy like, like that. that. And it's you so get, good. like, here's Sebastian coming on strong, who's, you know, like, calls Blaine sex on a stick and sings like a dream. I mean, that's pretty blatant and out there. And, okay. you know, just like, you know, I'm hot, you're hot, let's do things kind of thing. And we get Blaine kind of, I love what he says here, that he's like, I miss Dalton. But my heart is a McKinley, and that's always been kind of the heart of Blaine. Like, you know, I, I like these other things, but I love Kurt, and that's 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 Blaine right there. Yeah. I mean, even at the end of that episode, like, Sebastian is putting the pressure on, and he has this conflicted look. And I don't think he's conflicted. I don't read it as him being conflicted because he's like, well, Sebastian would be fun to twirl around with, is that he's... He's got this information and he's, it starts on Monday. Well, what I think is Monday with Artie putting the pressure on them. And, and now we're on Tuesday, I think because of the outfit and Blaine's got this conflicted look where like he's processing and he's processing and he knows he's going to tell Kurt he's, this is going to come out somehow, but he hasn't quite figured out how he's going to do it. Like he's, he's working on it, but he's not really ready. It does come out. Because he gets drunk and it comes out sideways and it comes out wrong and he's super unhappy with himself because of it. But you can see him like, you know, on, you know, Artie talks to him and he's thinking and thinking. And then Sebastian puts this pressure on him after Kurt has said this other thing and he's thinking and thinking and thinking. And he's he's trying to figure out how to communicate all of these things to Kurt while also seeming very respectable and honorable. Right. And basing it and basing it in love. Like that's where he's coming from. But also like, you know, there's lots of different aspects to love. And some of those things are really quite physical. And he just it's like he doesn't have the vocabulary yet. Exactly. Well, of how to mesh all of those things that he that that's who he wants to be he doesn't want to be some other person um i love that analysis because i think that really hits the nail on the head of what's going on here and in the same corner you get kurt who's trying to figure out how to tell blaine and you get this kind of miscommunication between the two of them that will get into results in this like scandalous scandal stuff Mm -hmm. and there's that um but because they just and you know clay has always been infamous for their lack of communication skills And the contrast to Finchel being really about Rachel needing to get something done with, it's so, I mean, yeah, their stories are parallel, but the way they're done is so contrasting. And it makes me, I I don't know what the right word is for, but I enjoy, I feel, God, what's the word? I like Clayne better than Finchel for these reasons. Yeah, I think think the Clayne story reads to a more 
respectful relationship between the two of them. It feels more like a coming together and a connection based off of shared values, like a, like a real, like a really true, like a true sharing. And Finchel is just, it's not that they're out of sync, but it's, it's not quite the same. Well, Finchel is a story that we've seen in teen dramas ever since teen dramas existed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the beats that they hit for a lot of them are very similar to things that we've seen over and over again. And so it's nothing it's not presenting anything new yeah. or and- innovative. And so what we might forgive in something in something that felt a little fresher doesn't it is something that we're less likely to forgive because it's like, well, I've seen this 14 times and y'all are idiots. You should know better. Right. And and the Finchel stuff is bogged down with problematic concepts of male, female relationships. That is true yes. too. I mean, I've never thought Glee of it that has, way, but Lee has a lot of problems with ideas Clay of masculinity. Like Clay just gets to ignore some of these things, which is great. <laughs> so, right. well, I'm going to give a shout out because we're moving on to the next scene too. Puck has like 10 great jokes ever on Glee. And this is one of his top ten jokes. Do you have the quote? Yes. Please tell me you have the quote. I didn't. Oh, just, it's something like to the Google. <laughs> it's there's a couple of them. There's one. He's like, he's like, I need to. T- Finn's like, I need to talk to you. And he's like, what about the sneakers? I don't have them or something like that. He's like, yeah. no. And then he's like, I want to have. You know, I want to. He implies that he wants to have sex with Rachel, and he's like, "Well, I was always, ho- I always hoped it would be you. Well, I always thought it would secretly be me, but secretly hoped it would be you." And, and yeah, that's just, straight to fandom <laughs> joke. Such a great one. And then I enjoy. You know, I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him kudos for the sneakers joke, for the fandom nod, and then also the I don't use condoms. Ninety nine percent effective, <laughs> and it's effective ninety nine point nine percent of the time. <laughs> Yeah. This scene is so great. Yeah. <laughs> so really, yeah, I love that some of these, like, because a lot of times with these episodes, I'll fast forward through things, and there are these little moments that I'll just, like, keep watching, like the welding thing and the puck thing for this one. It's just uh, some little really funny beats in this episode. And um, then it gets into the cooter stuff, and we can skip over that, cause yeah, no. <laughs> I fast forward through all the cooter stuff, so I don't even know what's going on. So, uh, well, Beast and Cooter are like dancing around each other, and I'm not going to yeah. get into it just because no, it gets you. into like you no. Know, we're just going to. I, I know. I know how it ends. I no, thank you. That's why I fast forward. But through it. Like, I <laughs> the next jump that we go to is um, Kurt and Blaine at the locker, which is another really great clean scene. Because, man, I mean, now they're in public and they are like, the stuff that these guys can do with their eyes. I mean. Yes. Yes. I love the Um, list. Let's see. Oh, my note says he's on his third outfit. So maybe this is Wednesday. (laughs) Or it could just be I think it is, though, because. He he does enjoy a costume. No, it is. It's Wednesday because it's Drag Queen Wednesday. And this is the, the outfits they're wearing when they go to Scandals. Oh. oh no, they change though for that. But no, it's that no, night. They but this is no, what they're wearing geez. when they meet <laughs> Sebastian and in 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 the Lima Beat. This is what they're wearing. Yes. Yes, so Kurt is wearing his cape. Yeah. So, <laughs> but then they go later that night because it's Drag Queen Wednesday. 
I don't. Why are you making me try and do this? <laughs> I'm just. I'm kidding. really enjoying anyway. this. Uh, this math. And this. Uh, no, you know what? It throws all of this off. I will tell you why it throws everything off. Because opening night, quote unquote, sounds like it should be on a Thursday based on everything that we're gonna do. But they, Ben has his football game, and football games are it's always Friday. on Friday nights. That's yeah, why it throws Friday. the whole thing off. So I'm not even gonna. <laughs> I'm not going to touch it, so you can touch it. I guess we're not supposed to think too hard about this. No. <laughs> there are other things that get hard later on in the episode, but we're not supposed to think too hard about this. <laughs> so well, there's things getting harder at these I was going to say, yes. this locker scene, here we go. As, as we go through our sexy list. Maybe, maybe it was the night before, and Blaine gets to, I mean, like, is this when they first see each other, first thing in the morning? And Blaine's like, you know, I've been thinking about this all night, and, you know, I, I guess, you know what we were talking about before? You know, maybe we should do that. He's and then this time, Kurt's being a little he's, bit oblivious. He's trying to start the conversation. He's trying. Um, and, you know, it doesn't doesn't go exactly where he wanted it to go. Like, he's not getting to the full point. But then again, they're at the locker, so I kind of feel like maybe... Um, Maybe they wouldn't have a full conversation there anyway. Like right, it's not because one of their this safe is spaces. this is this is not appropriate locker conversation. Yeah. You should at least be in a spot where you can close a door. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I love. I remember, um, I did the podcast with you when uh, when Kurt decorates the room, and I and Finn hates it. Yes, and I'm yeah, like, it's really too bad. It's really too bad that. Um, I love that I'm remembering myself like I'm so important. It's too, it's too bad. That <laughs> oh, I remember myself all the time. So, and I'm way less important than you. So, don't. Even <laughs> but like, I was like, oh, you know, it's really too bad that Blaine doesn't exist because he would love that room. Oh yeah, like, you know, he would. And here's Kurt saying, "I want to do it with someone who kind of looks like you in a meadow of lilac," and Blaine's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me more. Like I am all in. Yeah. Let's let's do this. <laughs> like that is not like top ten sexy fantasies, but Plain is like one hundred percent down. <laughs> you know? Which I'm kind of hoping that later on he finds an adorable B and B that happens oh, you know to uh, be attached you know to a it. field of lilacs, and they bang. Oh, you know and that he does lilacs. figure that out at some point. This is his bucket list number five. <laughs> he only got to five. <laughs> well, he was scrolling around on it. But. No, he said number five. <laughs> well, let's talk the about Kurt's bucket list. Uh, well, and I like that Taylor Lautner does look a little bit like Blaine. I mean, he daily. Does. Not a lot, but. And he definitely wants to tap that before he, you know. Mm-hmm. Before he just, you know, lets himself go. Yeah, I really get tired of, like, I don't know, like, Kurt doesn't really have a type. It doesn't... He does. He does. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> he he kind of does. I retract does. it. I retract it. I'm, I'm just, I'm saying, you know, most people have a type. It's not, it's like, you know, there's like 10 or 15 different boxes you could check. And there are certain people who check you know, 14 out of 15 boxes and that's what he's got going on. Yeah. That's okay. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah. <laughs> so, but I adore, I adore that. Like he makes, he's, he's like giggling at himself for being stupid. And Blaine is like 100% down and into it. His eyebrows are like part of his head, you know? Well, cause he's and, planning. He's like, okay, we can do this. Is this, uh, is this know, how we're he's doing looking this? at his phone. So he doesn't necessarily see it. 
And then Blaine walks away. And what he doesn't see is Kurt just like caressing his own hands yeah. so much. And, you know, the hands meta thing is like pretty solid with them. Um, but he's like rubbing in between his own fingers and thinking about it and just sort of like bemusing the idea. And he, I like that he's letting himself like have that thought too. Just like, okay, yeah. going with, all right, we just like had that like, I, again, I'm sorry for the gratuitous ridiculousness, but like the I fucking in the middle of the hallway moment. Like that's something uh-huh. they probably don't do very often. And it's like, wow. Yeah. But each of them, you know, they open up something personal about themselves and the other one accepts it. Right. Like Kurt brings up, oh, this is silly. And Blaine's like, it's not silly. In fact, I find it sexually appealing. And Kurt's like, all right, I'm down with that. You know? <laughs> Again, I think that's what I really like about these two. It's that they connect in this really kind of, like, hey, I'm going to throw myself out there and be open about this thing that I feel kind of embarrassed about, but the other person accepts it right off the bat, and I just love that. They're both both game for things. The intimacy that they are are building throughout this episode, you know, towards the the final scene, they're they're building this intimacy of, I'm going to open up to you and we're going to bond over that and grow from that and move forward with that. And Finchel doesn't do it as much and they don't do it as poignantly. And so if it was a, a race between the two of them, Finchel just starts to fall behind. Well, and I think, I don't, I don't know if I should take it this way, but I, I think that like just the acting here is so strong and just the way they're able to play off each other and play these layers, I feel like is missing a little bit from Finchel. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of going on and there's a lot of complexity to these scenes that I don't necessarily see in Finchel. Because it's not yeah. there in the script, that's for sure. And so yeah. uh, the, the fact that we get these, like, multi-layered scenes and there's so many emotions going on and so many, like, conversations that they say with their eyes and not with what they're actually saying, I think is just fantastic. Yeah, it's because of the layers. Because of the layers, yeah. exactly. That's and why I, I love, love this episode. That, you know, where the conversation leaves off is Blaine trails away, just sort of like he's just he's put the idea in Kurt's head, and Kurt's thinking about it. You know, and he's thinking about it, which is such a great segue into what Kurt walks into with Sebastian. Well, and and just before we get into that, the, I, I kind of want to connect it to the rest of the series and that. Like, if you see how these two are kind of, like, awkwardly trying to reach this very intimate level, and they both really want it, and by the end, we'll talk more about how they kind of achieve it, but that's why when they kind of start to break down more on the communication level, and they hurt, that's why it hurts so much, you know, when Blaine cheats later on, and all this other stuff happens later on, and they have to find them, so they have to find their, their way back to this kind of intimacy. I, I just... I, I love the storyline. Like here, you know, we, we have the season two stuff that leads all the way up to this, you know, first time and then it goes downward and then back up again. And I just, I, as a whole, I think it's fascinating and I love it. So. Yes. Awkward pause. Anyway. <laughs> and then we get a scene with Artie being totally inappropriate. Well, before that though, we should shout out um, to the rest yeah. of Kurt's bucket list about being CEO of Logo. Which I think uh, it's funny. Circuit Party on Fire Island. 
and uh, and um and the uh, I think it's just so hilarious. Um, Leia uh, rose at the birthplace of no coward, which I love that it's very queer specific. It's very um and it's very driven to all of his desires. Like he wants sex, he wants power, he wants fun, he wants to honor the past. Like it makes him such a um a historic person because you know he's a young gay person and he's still connected to all of the history of the people who came before him in a way that you know maybe some other millennials don't have so much right you know there's a whole generation wiped out before them that they can't talk to in the same way um and so i like that kurt and blaine both hold on to that like history of queerness and they they bring it up from time to time and glee is good about doing that surprisingly when it comes to their gay men yeah also i wonder if have we heard anything about that movie that's gonna get made or is that completely scrapped at this point i don't think it's completely scrapped but i think that brexit threw everything oh yeah i think they lost their funding they lost their they lost the, the majority of their funding from brexit and then there's like another another movie that that director is making with ian mcclellan and i think the idea is like well if that one does okay then he'll like be building towards getting more funding to do this other one. I hope Chris isn't too old by the time they actually get around to the funding. You know what? That dude can, he can change. <laughs> it's true. He no more hair gel and just lay the hair flat and make some look 10 years younger. He can go to a place where I'm like, I am much older than you. Okay. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, we'll, we'll skip the really awkward Artie Cooter scene. And uh, yeah, get into super- God, um, yeah, man. Um, it's kind of like never been kissed when we skip over like the really bad like beast again. Beast. Can we point like, out poor beast? I know. Every time Clay gets something. <laughs> poor beast. Every we time. love beast. This is a beast Every loving time. podcast. She's a great character. She gets the shittiest storylines, but yeah. she's a great character. Yep. Okay, so we get into the lima bean, and okay, so here we go. Did they? How is this? How is this working out? Did they? Did Lay meet Sebastian here purposely? Did they just? Okay, here's my here's my opinion. The Warblers keep track of Blaine. They know that on Thursdays he and Kurt go to coffee. It's Wednesday or Wednesdays or or probably every day. It seems like it. They know his schedule because they are looking out for him. He he does not wander away without their knowing. Like. Well, they they've have, either put a tracker on his phone or in his yeah, body, or they've trained a pigeon to follow him. Friends thing. And Sebastian shows up. Oh, see, right? I think they, I think they went to meet because Blaine is the type of person who, if he was like, "Hey, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to talk to you and talk to you about, you know, warblers because you're into it," that Blaine would be like, coffee. "Yeah." They already had coffee at the Dalton talk about being gay coffee house room. Yeah, but Blaine is still the type of person who would be like, yeah, sure, I'll totally meet you because why would would anybody have any nefarious reasons? I could see him saying, yeah, if you ever want to talk, you know, like, I'm usually available at this time. He's a Disney princess. I think think they... Blaine seems surprised when Kurt shows up in that moment. But I think that's just... It's not that... Like, the, the two of them... Kurt and Blaine would know where each other's going to be that afternoon. So I don't think he's surprised that Kurt like pops up during the, I think he's, he's in a headspace of trying to understand Sebastian and feeling uncomfortable 
and he feels guilty, even though he hasn't done anything yet. He feels very guilt- guilty. So when he sees Kurt, he's like, oh, shit. You know, like, because on some level, he's already super, he's just, Sebastian makes him really significantly uncomfortable. And he's, Sebastian is terrible at reading Blaine's body language. Well, I think he's purposely ignoring it. I don't think it. Sebastian is terrible at reading it. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I'm sorry. I, I love Sebastian. I love the character. He, again, not somebody who I'd want to, like, hang out with in real life. But I love the character. He's a good character. But he's, what he's saying is he's seeing the Blaine that he wants. Oh, not yeah. the Blaine that there is. And there's a lot of that that happens with Blaine. And it's a conquest People treat thing. Blaine the way they want him to, they want him to be a thing. He's very used to people doing that. Like, you know, Sebastian wants Blaine to be his hookup. And so he's treating Blaine like he is his hookup. But that's not who Blaine is. And Blaine is consistently, like nice but not trying to get he's not trying to get any closer to him he's keeping a certain distance you know uh they're dancing and blaine's looking at kurt the whole time like there's just there's no point where blaine is really giving him very many signals it's just sebastian's decided that this is who blaine's going to be and well, i think I mean, blaine is really the- used to being in that scenario where people decide who he's going to be for him for them and they try and make him play that part which is kind of hilarious that Kurt walks in and then is like, no, the part you're going to play is boyfriend. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, you know, it's interesting. Um, this is the first time they call each other boyfriends in the series. Is this scene? Oh, really? Just that. really? Yeah, it is. I mean, in the, in rumors is the first time that somebody else does. Cause like, I think Puck is like, Sam's not, che- you know, Kurt's not cheating on whatever that Sam thing, because they both have boyfriends or whatever. But, um, yeah. it's the first time they actually like call each other boyfriends. Oh, that's interesting. Well, it's not like they got a lot of screen time. Yes, you know, Rory was there probably. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, as someone who loves Kurt, when Kurt walks in, dude's wearing a fucking cape. He also looks like some kind of weirdo priest. He does. His his head is (laughs) held high. He sees Sebastian. Lasers shoot out of his eyes. He comes. He sits down. He goes into killer bitch mode. Is he's delightfully full on like there's shades of season one Kurt in there that I just adore and so like I, you know when I watched this I watched it multiple times just to go back and watch him and watch Blaine try and get comfortable and not really know what's happening but I just love you know the the two alphas at the table having a fight you know with this like really sweet language and you know Sebastian tries to call his bluff and Kurt just says, fine. Well, let's do it's it. it's the hero and the villain having their their yeah. fight over the princess. Yeah. Which and is the princess is she's <laughs> blushing. Blaine. She's very she's uncomfortable. She's cooing. She's trying to hide behind her hair. You know she's what I think is fascinating? I'm gonna okay, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not like up on my gender studies here. It's fascinating to me, and and no, I'm not trying to put this in any kind of heteronormative I'm, I'm not, but like Blaine is kind of that princessess role, and the same time Kurt is often the time one that is the one that's considered the more feminine one. Even though I, I don't really, I mean, Blaine can get very feminine. I, I just think it's interesting that like it plays with all of these, you know, and then yet they're all kind of, you know, there's the alpha male thing going on between Kurt and Sebastian and stuff like that. And I just think it's interesting that it throws all of these gender stereotypes out the window. Um, I do like. You know, I, I don't know if I would say so much that 
Jacqueline or Kurt as being a princess in particular. But right. The other person is a prince for them. Right. Like Blaine is Kurt's prince and, and vice versa because they both want to have a prince and they behave in a particular way where the other, like they are the prince for that other person consistently. That's how they try and, you know, from like prom queen through a lot of other episodes and seasons. Um, you know, it's like they've got this fairy tale romance where the, the princes find their prince. And it's it's really fascinating to watch um, to watch when Kurt, you know, the, the, it's just that goddamn glee be a man thing again. <sighs> and, and I'll and I'll clarify that when I when I refer to him as a princess, I'm not trying to make any sort of, you know, gender study statement or you know or, or about that concept is just that i like the mental image of blaine being oh, a disney he's... princess with the bird flying onto his finger and him singing yeah. a song while the woodland creatures help him clean his magical castle which is yeah and, that, and that's <laughs> which, which is where which is where i'm coming from with right the, uh, absolutely he's my and darling princess and that's the person that blaine is in this scene i mean we have kurt in the second season literally singing with a bird yes <laughs> which again I also love. Yeah. So, I, yeah, no, it's like, I'm, yeah, I don't think any of us are trying to label anything as anything. It's just an interesting prism to look through it. On top of the fact yeah. that Plain is often a, a fairy tale romance, and, yeah. and we get to see that shaken up throughout the series. Yeah. And, and you get this, this comic book villain. I mean, Sebastian is a great plot device. I mean, he, he works so well. He's fantastic Love at this. It. Well, and a couple other things. First of all, we don't get to see Kurt as possessive very often. And he's very possessive. I mean, oh my god. Kurt, Kurt was about to cut a bitch in this. Yeah scene and and i love it and i i miss mean kurt that was one of my favorite yeah. things in season one was mean kurt and i yeah. love that we got another view of mean kurt yeah. because he's talking down his nose oh about yeah a skin sloughing re- regimen god <laughs> uh, <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> but anyway <laughs> how can you forget about that i don't know how but i did because uh, it's amazing is, you can't forget every night that. over the phone good lord every, every night they're yeah, video chatting their skin. masks. Uh-huh. Masks. <laughs> but yeah, there's... Kurt it can get... any and it's, get off together every night. <laughs> hold up. Now, my note says that it says tomorrow night is Scandals. So I think they go to Scandals on Thursday. It's Drag Queen it's Wednesday. Ow. <laughs> we're, we're trying too hard to put logic Damn into it. this. So you just have to accept, but it's Glee. And they yeah. do things... You know, not on particular days. It's just like how none of them have parents, and also, for somehow during, Will continues to have a job. Day? Is it after school? Is it a period during school or after school or what the what? It's both. <laughs> it's everything. It's all encompassing. It it's is all funny. the time. There's just that in that astronomy class. <laughs> getting back to the scene. Getting back to the scene. <laughs> um, the oh shoot, made me forget. Um, <laughs> Well, I can bring something else up that I noticed in this scene. Like, we get we get very much season one Kurt. And more so than other scenes in this episode, Kurt's voice is really, really high. Yeah. Like, he's being really femmy and aggressive at the same time. Yeah. It's just yeah. really, it's, it's fascinatingly different than, I mean, and I know that this is done on purpose. So, like, it was just fascinatingly different than some of the other stuff. Well, it's, it's his cut-a-bitch voice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I remember what I was going to say. I love it. 
there's, you know, when it comes to playing, you just don't get in the way. I mean, like, you, you know, there's this gif, and I'll, I'll talk about it more when we get to the scenes that are in the gif set. Of, there's the way that you say that word. And I know. <laughs> everyone says gif, and I don't. And because you say it wrong, but we love Whatever. <laughs> You're just going to have to live with it. <laughs> Whatever. I won't, just this picture set, this moving picture set. <laughs> the Harry Potter moving picture type shit. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm sorry, they think it's magic, but it's just, it's, it's a gif, and that's what's in their photo frames, and that's what's on their, on their, uh, newspaper, so. For the record, I say it the way the creator wants me to say it, so, whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> in the set, <laughs> I'm gonna be really self-conscious about it, um, there is Tina's, um, fantasy of Clay making out, and they're interrupted, and Kurt's all like, oh my god, you're you found me. Let me cover myself up. And um, the other two are <laughs> um, w- real time when they're interrupted. And one is the I do scene where Mercedes opens the door and Kurt's pissed. And then when Sam comes at in. Tina. and He's oh, specifically yeah. pissed at Tina. No, he's pissed at Mercedes. <laughs> it's Mercedes that he's pissed at. But um, No, no. The Mercedes knocks and he says, that better not be Tina Oh, again. That, that too. That's right. <laughs> Tina. And when, when, he, when Mercedes opens the door, he's not any happier. And yeah, well, no. I mean, uh, and then in the new New York scene, when they're on None the, the couch, and Sam comes in and he's pissed. It's like you don't <laughs> interrupt time with Blake. You just don't. No. I will. No. Yeah, I and mean, it, he he sets his mind on something, and if his mind is on Dick, then he gets really <laughs> angry if there's some sort of interrupt us that happens. Yeah. Well, he has less options. It's true. <laughs> He wants what he wants, and why the hell are you getting in his way? It's just funny to me, like, in Tina's fantasy, he's just, like, what I think people think Kurt is like, and then there's the reality of what Kurt really is, and it's, like, the scene. Yeah, there's a point. Blaine's on top, and Blaine's never on top. No, he's not. (laughs) Not always. (laughs) Blaine Blaine is a loving caboose. Blaine is on the bottom. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know... It seems like a great place to be. I mean, I, I don't see anybody complaining. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm sure things shift around. I'm just saying that in all I the just, other things I feel like that we get they, seen. They roll around. Somebody's falling off of a couch, depending on how acrobatic they're trying to do. When one of them's like, yeah, I think a sex swing is a great idea. And then, you know, five minutes later, it's like, no, that was a terrible idea. Why would anybody ever try that after it falls out of the ceiling? <laughs> but I don't like it that we see him. On the bottom each time. And it's, you know, it's a good place for him. And I like it. I approve. He's very accepting of the love. He is. He really wants to uh, bring it into himself. This Make might sure be worse he's, he's than filled. The, He's filled with it. The bulging pink fun sack stuff. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like there are a lot of people who appreciate Kurt's bulging pink fun sack. And I feel like Blaine is the number one fan. He's of, opening oh, yeah. himself up to... That. He's, he's opening himself up to glee. He really wants to feel it to, way deep inside of him. To joy. He's opening himself up to joy. <laughs> over and over and over again. Getting back on topic. Um, one thing about Sebastian. <laughs> one thing about Sebastian, though, I want to point out before we leave the scene. God, this is going to be like a three hour podcast. 
I hope not. I got somewhere to be in 20 minutes. Uh-oh. <laughs> We've got like, wait, wait, most of the five, episodes five. to go. Anyway. Tell where you are. I don't know. All right. Um, so we got... Um, We've, uh, jeez. The one thing about Sebastian, though, is he's kind of pushing the two of them to kind of confront the stuff that they aren't really talking about, though. I think that's kind yeah, of cool. he's doing the thing that Artie's doing. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, well, like, because Kurt's like, oh, we should try, go out and try this thing that, you know, we haven't really tried before. And I think it's also, like, on a bigger scale, like, pushing them to be like, okay, well, maybe we are okay to try these things that we are kind of skirting around and we want, but we're too scared to actually address it. Sebastian is a great plot device. I love Oh, him. so good. So, okay. So moving on, we get, I just have to take a shout out to the Finchel scene where she's like, Oh, I've never had meat that tasted so much like meat. Okay. That, tasted that like- was hilarious. <laughs> that was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Because horrified. I totally remembered that you were vegan. And, and then I- he goes to offer her pound cake, which is also not, but uh, all right. Fine. <laughs> It's Sarah Lee, though. Come on. Yeah, that's eggy, but okay. And then we, um, gosh, I forgot we get to skip over a lot of this episode now. Um, we get the, um, the, uh, random Mike with his dad scene that's, like, part of other plots, but it's kind of out of nowhere in the scene, in this episode, but. Well, you know, everybody who wants to be a performer has to be a performer. It's true. Beast Cooter stuff that we're just gonna fly over. Um, there's the whole one. I just want to take a quick second and mention the Rachel talks to the other girls about sex scene. I love this scene. I thought it was a great scene. Yeah, I was gonna say I think that it's worth talking about just for a second because I mean, yeah, we have all of these you know stereotypical teen responses, and then we get Tina's, and I just bless Tina for having this moment of saying, you know what, I you know we planned it. And it was romantic, and I loved it, and I don't regret it. And thank you, Glee, for doing that. Yeah. I love that there was a girl who was able to be um, sexual and romantic. Mm-hmm. And who and who had a good experience. You know? It's yeah. like, I, you know, this was something we wanted to do. We did it. We had a good time. And that's great. Um, because I, I don't, I don't think that that's a, um, especially from a, from a female perspective. We just don't get that in media. Not really. No, we don't. Yeah. So, yay, go Glee! You did something right. Uh, well, and I mean, with Tina, yeah. Of all people, yeah. At the same time, this is Tina. this is the same yeah. scene that had basically already, uh, not already, Brittany admitting that she was almost kind of raped for her first time. So, oh man. Oh yeah. So, I don't know, Glee. Sometimes I don't. And also, I mean, they they pair this scene with a really sweet song that works very well for this for this little you know anecdote that Tina's telling, and it just makes. Um, I almost said bike. Oh my god, tyke. <laughs> <laughs> what is bike? Mike and plane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, it just it's I I love that Rachel gets that sort of like positive reinforcement that Tina has that Tina has no regrets and it's super sweet. And you see Rachel sort of like dreaming that for herself. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And I like the part of maybe what it is that she's figuring out is that she wasn't like in the scene where they're having the date and Finn feeds her meat. Um, he's trying really hard. He's got on like a nice shirt. He's got the candles going or the fireplace going. Like he's really, he's trying to make it this like really sweet thing. And she's the one who kind of messes it up 
in terms of like the emotional intimacy and the paying attention to things. And so you see Rachel from her talk with, with the girls, but with specifically with Tina, then sort of like have a better awareness of who she wants to be in that role. Right. Right. Well, and that's the other way, um, like Finn and Kurt are kind of, uh, paralleled in some ways too, because here's Kurt, we're going to get into the scandal scene and he's putting himself out there who he's a little uncomfortable, but he's, you know, I'm going to do this for Blaine and I'm going to be the gay bar superstar and whatever. And, and Blaine is the one that kind of screws it up. So, uh-huh. but yeah, let's get into scandals. And, um, I love the doorman, how he's just so resigned that his life is at a gay <laughs> bar in Lima. Like, this is one of Glee's, like, top scenes. This scene, like, the music, the way it's shot, the people who are in it, the dialogue, like, all of it. We it's could do podcast just on this scene. It's all just, like, so well done. The things that are said, the things that the looks between the characters, like, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we get stuff. Ken and I love that like I love that Sebastian's wearing a polo shirt like <laughs> oh he's such a douche he looks like the guy from Blue's Clues does <laughs> you would think that he wears something Which a I little mean, bit it's like he's trying to distract Kirk with hey look there's a clue and now I'm gonna go you know bang your boyfriend yeah I just I love that this is what Sebastian thought was his like He's on the prowl. The collars it's, popped up of his rugby It's his shirt. on the prowl outfit. I'm going to throw this out there, because <laughs> it's, even though we're, we'll get more to it in the script stuff. Um, in the original script, um, Blaine gets like a Long Island or something that's like actually got alcohol in it. And I wonder if the censors were like, nope, can't give that to a minor. Give him a beer. So... Yeah, because he gets super uh, wasted on one beer. Yeah. So that's why well, I, I think... yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's the possibility. I mean, there's a lot. There's been a lot of jokes over the years of like the Long Island iced tea people like not realizing that there's liquor in it. Um, so I could see things being taken the wrong way if you think that like Bland thinks he's drinking iced tea, he's not. Yeah, but I think and maybe it's just easier. Sebastian hands him a beer. Oh, really yeah, I know. I'm just saying, as opposed right. to Long Island iced tea, which has some right. vagueness which in it. Which is nothing but alcohol. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not yeah. alcohol in that, but. Um, so yeah, we get Kurt in the bar, and I love this. I love that Kurt is like just processing. sitting there. <laughs> he's processing. Yeah, he is, and he's watching Blaine dance again. Blaine is doing one of the claim like meeting rituals, which is like shake his little booty at Kurt. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> he wants Kurt Blaine over there. Blaine shakes his booty, and Kurt shimmies his shoulders. I so, wonder I mean, if that's that's their call and response. That's it. That's the like that's the code. Beep, bap, boop. Good, we're good. Uh-huh. And I wonder if at some I, point during this, like, Blaine was like, yeah, let's see if we can, I, you know, not that he was, when we get to the car thing, it's not like he's actively, like, planning it when they got there, but just, he's relaxed and he's like, look, I mean, Sebastian, he's kind of tolerating and my boyfriend's here and I'm having fun and this is, he just is missing a lot of Kurt's uneasiness. Well, Kurt's putting up a really big front because Sebastian's there. Yeah. And Blaine, while drinking, is I mean, not the happening? most astute of person. Exactly. Not to he, be too he, crass. he misses a lot of things when he drinks. I mean, what's happening, not to be, I'm going to go full crass then, is that there is a competition happening where Sebastian and Kurt are just like laying their dicks out for measurement. Oh, yeah. And Blaine is not paying attention to the fact, he's just like, oh, Kurt's dick, amazing. 
Like he he, he doesn't know there's a competition. No, no. See the He's like one. dancing is it's, fun. I'm having yeah, a great like, night with my oh, boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, my like boyfriend you is are, you wow. Are totally missing what is actually happening. Yeah, and he's like, I'm getting the greatest response out of my boyfriend. Who's this? Because you know, blank. Kurt shimmies in between them and works his magic, and Sebastian does not exist. No. Well, let's like, talk about um, before we get to that moment, though. Let's talk about the Karofsky stuff real quick, even though I'm sure this nobody really wants to. But <laughs> no, I want to I because I think it's a fantastic talk between the two. Yeah, of them. And, and I am. I'm not a, a Karofsky fan is, at all. But the the scene was it, it made me wish that there had been a character late Karofsky as a character the whole time who was a friend of Kurt's because mm-hmm. being able to talk about these things was a really was a really good thing and I wish that yeah. it hadn't been tainted with me looking at it going well I know that you threatened to kill him yeah well and I think I, also like. You know, when this aired, it really seemed like, oh, well, that's the last time we're going to see that character. Yeah. So it was a it was a fantastic sort of like, um, you know, like they 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 catch up and they see where they're at. And, you know, they basically talk about how, you know, they're fine. You know, they're learning who each of them is learning who they are. And they're kind of fine with whatever they're doing now. And Kurt says he's fine with being whoever you have to be at your own speed, which is the whole point of his problem later on in the evening is at his own speed i think it's important to, because we are gonna see karofsky again i think that it's important to point out like kurt is no longer afraid of karofsky the way he no. was yeah. he it's 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 a changed karofsky is a changed person and yeah you know you cannot erase the things that happen and nor should you but I think that this the dynamic right here is completely shifted, and Kurt now has power. I mean, Kurt Krofsky's sitting there thinking, "Are you judging me?" And Kurt's busy, like, um, busy watching my boyfriend, like, you know, with this other guy. I'm not really paying much attention to you in general, but you know, it's it's important. The scene is important because it's the crux of it's gonna, you know, of Krofsky's other appearances later on in the show. I think. So. Yeah, I like it, and I, I like the I like what they say to each other. I think it's a great um, it's a great summation of their relationship up to this point. Um, and I, I like this. I like, I like the scene a lot more now. Looking back on it and watching it, you know, with with some removal from it than I did when it aired. Yeah, I do too. I, I think. Just- I think that mostly about the whole show in general, but um, <laughs> the, the, there's a there's a beat at the end when when Krasky's like I'm just trying to you know get through my senior year of high school and Kurt just sighs like oh, so sad. he's so just sad. resigned and like next. he because he, he is too I think yeah it's a connection yeah. to Krasky that he didn't have before he's like yeah I'm I'm too you know yeah so. And then I love that Kurt's like, all right, well, this was a nice talk. But I got business to take care of. I'm going to I'm gonna put my drink down. I've got to go, go dick, whip, dick whip somebody away from my boyfriend. <laughs> Pretty much. I love this. I love we that. don't <sighs> see Sebastian again. We see him get shut down. He gets the most fantastic glare over the shoulder. Fuck you. From Kurt. Oh, I love it. And Blaine is like. Happy puppy. Yay. I'm having fun dancing. Look, Chris, come to join me. Yay. Yay, dancing. And I, you know, I I like watching them when they walk 
when they walk out and they've had a great time, I'm like, they are just enjoying each other's company. And, you know, poor Blaine. Uh, he wants to make art and help people. Things. How do you get that wasted on one beer? Because they make the comment that he had a beer. I don't know. I mean, he is the lightest lightweight to ever lightweight, which is kind of adorable. Well, he weighs like 10 pounds. This is true. And most of that is his gel on top of his head. Um, (laughs) But he he just wants to make art and help people. And, you know, as somebody who in various stages of intoxication also likes to make very wide pronouncements that only make sense in their head. I, I feel a certain kinship with him. I love the care that they have for each other as they're walking out. It's know? very, yeah, it's very like long-term couple. Mm-hmm. Oh, and sweetie. then, and then Blaine, as we he got does, wasted, miss, misreads the conversation. Like, yes. So now we should like do it in the back of your car. And it's like, mm. well, no, that's Kurt, no. Kurt lays him down so he won't throw up. Right. And they kind of tumble. <laughs> and it's like m- the muscle memory. It's like, oh, I'm underneath Kurt. Well, hey, now, <laughs> you know, you know, what's just occurred to me. <laughs> you know, it's he does say, though, he says, kiss me first. And, I, you know, and yeah. it's, it's again, it's where even though the scene it's kind of goes romantic. into it, you know, yeah, I, even though it goes into a, an uncomfortable way the beginning of it like again i'm it's it's unfortunate that these two don't get to have a lot of these um romantic or sexual moments because it's just i don't know fascinating or great to watch you know he's wasted right so his guard's down and he's just been so busy having this fantastic night with kurt and he's just he loves him and he's like you know Put, put the cherry on top, like, just kiss me. Kiss me and I'm all in. But I love that Blaine just yeah. wants him, too. I mean, it's not, you know, yeah. Kurt, before, I mean, you go back to season one, Kurt and everything, and he thought that nobody would ever really want him. And and there yeah. is, like, because it's been gift, gift, whatever, a million times, that, that split second when, when Blaine pulls him down, that, he contem- that Kurt contemplates it. Oh, he thinks about it. He thinks oh, yeah. about it. You know, he's not immune to... Blaine's masculine wild. And it's especially when Blaine is like, you know, I, he's like, he I know also, what you want. You know, he, he thinks about what he wants, but he all, you know, he knows Blaine and he knows that Blaine wouldn't want that either. Right. Sober Blaine, sober Blaine would not be happy with that. And so he makes a choice and, you know, they get into a little thing and there's the ador- adorable emotional twirling. Oh. Um, and I, I kind of love that they have this little bit of discomfort so that they're forced to figure it out. Right. And it, it is kind of like, again, it's kind of a communication thing. Well, and, you know, blame being drunk. But, like, you know, it, it, Kurt kind of is like, no, I don't want this. And Blaine, it takes him a second to be like, okay, this is, you know, not right, too. But, you know, it's, I don't know if he's embarrassed or shameful or whatever. But that's why he kind of walks off. It's just like, I, I fucked it up. He is. You know. Yeah, I mean, imagine... I mean, there's so many fix of it. We're like, you know, he's walking home thinking he screwed everything up. Yeah. And that's what he you says. Know, he's going to be so beam. hard on himself. And that's why, you know, the next time you see them in a scene together, he's practicing and practicing and practicing. He's trying to get things perfect. He doesn't want to fuck this up. See, and that's like going back to the Lima Bean and into future episodes. Blaine says, I don't want to ever do anything to screw 
it up with Kurt. That's like his thing. Yeah. And he does it here and he'll do it way more later on. And it's like, and he beats himself up for it. And that's the thing about one of Blaine's characteristics that he needs to not beat himself up for his mistakes. He's going to make them. And I think he puts so much pressure on himself. And that's like when we get to the auditorium, he keeps, you know, doing the same thing over and over again to get it right because he, you know, is a perfectionist well, and he wants to get it right. He's carrying his expectations, which are huge, and everybody else's expectations of him. People put expectations on him in such an intense way. It's like, oh, he's a teenager. Everybody chill out. I also like to remind people, like, again, we'll talk about it more in the auditorium scene, that Kurt likens Blaine making out with Rachel worse than what happens in the car. And so, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Just, like, it's, I feel like in fandom, this gets so blown out of proportion. Fandom yeah, blow things well, out of proportion. Yeah, would never expect I, that. I, you know, I like things that are complicated, <laughs> so I was fine with it. I, I, I like it. It reads as something that's very relatable to me yeah. because I mean, I've misread a situation and got into a fight with a with a significant other that you know I was too proud to you know admit I was wrong and stormed off like an angry yeah. woman. I mean. Yeah. I, I, I felt like it was totally something that would happen. These are two teenage boys who don't really get their feelings sometimes. I, it's just, yeah. But the complexity is good. I mean, I know, that, I mean, a lot can be said about, like, fluffy, lovey-dovey fix and everything. But, you know, I love the complicatedness stuff. I love when, you know, you get into this nitty-gritty of complications and complexities. And I could probably use a thesaurus for better words, but... Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. So, clanks, clanks. <laughs> so we get to opening night, um, and I'm, which is I'm assuming the next day. And I love yeah, that it's like it's Friday. Already is like <laughs> to tone down the blush, and Blaine just cakes it on. Like yeah. screw you! You're gonna be able to see my cheekbones from the back row. <laughs> so, um, so I wanted to just say how like I thought it was really sweet that Rachel points out that like um, that the two of them, you know, they don't necessarily have to have chemistry together, but they have the chemistry of the soulmates. And she, just that she, she has this kindred spirit in Blaine of like, you know, probably someone who understands expectations, the way expectations are put on her. Yeah. And it was just really, it was just really sweet. It was. Yep. So. I also like, um, cause I, we, we can kind of skip over America and you know, that Rory moment. Oh my God. But, um, that there is a moment in this America that I think, because I often skip over it, I miss it, um, that it's Kurt. And he's actually looking out as Officer Krupke into the audience and he sees Sebastian there. And yeah. he kind of notes it. And it's like, ugh. But Blaine, you know, like if you watch it, his headspace is totally like, I screwed this up with Kurt. There's just like, there's nothing about Sebastian being in the audience that he even notices. No, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Anytime that it happens. Sebastian like was never a genuine threat. I mean, he's a wonderful plot device, and I love him, love him dearly. But he was never actually a threat. He was a, a plot device to get them to, to the point where they can actually talk about what they really want from each other, um, and and that it gets to this auditorium scene, which this auditorium scene. I think it's just because you know I tend to like really romantic things, and it, there's a lot of communication here that wasn't happening before 
and this really sweetness between them. And I kind of, this is where I just kind of fell in love with the claim. So, well, how could you not? I mean, everything about this is just like, it's gorgeous and it's intimate and it's, there's connection and honesty and emotional rawness and like super off the charts chemistry. Like it's just, it's gorgeous. It, and, it's a good scene. And there's, it's so, a very good there's scene. so much of Blaine, like trepidatious. He's, he's waiting. He, he's right back to the place where he was kind of earlier in the episode where he's, he's waiting for Kurt to say like, this is okay. Like they both, but you know, especially because, you know, he tried to make the first move and he did it for lack of a better term wrong. Um, you know, there's all this stuff. And so Blaine, he tries to walk back into this emotional connection with Kurt by asking if he would accompany him to the cast party, like a very proper (laughs) fancy, fancy date. Um, and it's dapper and adorable. And Kurt's like, no, let's go to your house where apparently no parents live ever. No, of course and, not. You know, and my brother might be at my house. You know, it's interesting looking at Blaine's character because I've been spending so much time with Kurt Meta that um, Blaine, with his expectations of himself and what other people put on him, and he's expecting Kurt to reject, reject him. him. And and yeah. Kurt never, I mean, he will, but whatever. That's a- But not like this. No, he's he expects to... He expects to to not meet someone's expectations and get shunned for it. Right. And Kurt just comes back and tells him that he's wonderful, that he was fantastic in the role, that when they kiss, it takes his breath away. And now, please, let's go get busy. Right. Like Kurt says, all these like all these things that are you. I want those things. Exactly. Um, and that's why, like, when Blaine says, or Kurt says, I'm proud of you, and Blaine was like, you know, I, I want you to be. And it's like, oh, honey. <laughs> like, yeah. He just wants yeah. that. And at the same he time, does. Kurt is able to be, like, Kurt was trying to be, you know, Mr. Gaybar superstar, and that's not what Blaine wants. Blaine wants this silly romantic. He's a silly romantic, too. Yeah. And that line They each just... have a version of a prince that they want, and the other one fulfills it. And it's so gorgeous it makes me such a sap i know i love that's what i'm like i love the silly i'm just a silly romantic and kurt kind of kurt is always a guarded person with how he feels and just to open up and be like look on the inside i am this gooey person i am this like you know i love the romance i'm not going to be mr sex on a agenda like sebastian and that's Blaine. Blaine goes in and kisses him and that takes kurt's breath away and like when these two click they just are so perfect. They kind of like build off each other and, and are perfect like that. And I love that. And that is why I fell in love with these two. Is that this little moment here. Yeah. So. And plus, I just, on a shallower note, I love Kurt's outfit in the scene. Oh, it's, it's a good outfit. It's gorgeous. So. I don't know why the pants aren't tight. It seems weird. Normally the pants are tight. He has like a, he has a few pairs of pants that aren't tight that come up from now and again. This these same pants get worn during um, Michael, so they're a little bit. Of I love Sebastian that you know fashion. that. Yeah, um, you know, there's important things happening. <laughs> pants things, important pants things that are happening. Yeah, but I kind of I, I love that Clayne gets to be this romantic couple. I think that's in general when I like like love stories, I do kind of like this. 
deeper friendship, you know, level that they have with each other. They like each other as well as love each other. And, and. Well, it's the, it's like, it's one, it's one of my favorite lines from Parks and Rec. I like you and I love you. Yes. And, and they're, and Clayne is very much, I like you and I love you. Yeah. Because far too often we have characters who are supposed to be in love, but it doesn't actually seem like they like spending time with each other. Right, like that's kind of, and that's kind of, I think. Like Finchel. Finchel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and then interestingly, you get things like Britanna, and I feel like they're, um, they, they're just different, uh, you know, have a different dynamic too, which isn't bad. I mean, I like them much more than Finchel, but, um, I don't know. It's just, they don't have the romantic aspect that Clayne does. And it's not bad. It's just different dynamic. The only other Glee couple that I think effectively does friends and like you're my friend and you're my my partner is Sam Sadie's. And that's why people like Sam Sadie's. Well, and I think that's why I wonder also like a lot of people fall in love with Clean because it does have this romantic element to it that I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people um, are drawn into. So. I don't know. And so I'm sorry, Finchel, that you have to follow up that scene. Well, but now, yeah, let's, I am not. Yeah. Take a second and, and really, again, appreciate Kurt's like, you know what? We're done with the romance part. Let's go do it. <laughs> yeah. I said a bang. Well, bang, bang, know, bang. Hmm. As someone who has watched the GIF <laughs> and watched it in reverse, forwards, reverse, forwards, where everybody's like, that's a tongue. <laughs> There is no seriously. That was a thing. It is a yes, thing. Yes, it was. I, I remember. That. I'm sure it's going on right now. I love it. I remember yeah, that. I love out. what We're this fandom does sometimes. We're gonna pull out all these for when you actually post this thing, oh. because it's like that kiss is like Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a good thing those two aren't kissing out in the normal way. People would just be exploding left and right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, their outfits are super interesting because Kurt has layers, but not as many. He has on the vest and he has on that pin that I think is the scissors or um, some sort of. Yeah. So he's got like a little bit of armor, but not a ton. And Blaine has way less layers. They're very stripped down when they come back to talk to each other again. Their their hair is done. They're red, like they're they're in their caricatures of who they are, but it's the most open version of themselves that they have until they literally take their clothes off. Right. Well, I think that's the, the point of the scene too, is like they get through all of this like layered crap that they were like scurrying around and they just say what they're feeling finally. And well, I mean, there's still a little bit of, you know, and Kurt's not but. an idiot. He chose an outfit that was easy to get out of. <laughs> it's true. He's a planner. He was like, I've got one layer that'll appease him for the layer thing. These pants are loose, you know. <laughs> I wonder how long it took for him to decide what he was going to wear as his let's finally do this outfit. I wonder how long it took him to plan it. And I wonder how long he's had it, you know, planned out. feeling that most of that week he was planning outfits for different scenarios. Oh, probably. Yeah. And he probably had two or three ready, you know. Just depending on how he felt when he was like, I, this is, I'm finally going to put this on. Yeah. So, yeah. And we, this leading up into Finchel's, you know, I'm going to give you my virginity because you sucked at football. I, I do believe that Finchel, yeah. Finchel I'm, does like each other enough to do this. And I do think there are real genuine feelings there, but the framing of it just, yeah. 
I'm going to try and say something nice about Finchel. Okay, well, first of all, I'm going to point out the shout out to uh, the pink cape that Rachel always wears when she's about to have sex. The little red riding hood cape. Thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're the same thing. And I love that. She also gets to have a cape in this episode. And, you know, this this scene has a lot of where Finn is going to go in it. Because there's that whole statement about how, you know, your dream's not dead. You just outgrew it. You have to come up with a new dream. And the two of them, you know, they are trying really hard to connect. They are being really vulnerable with each other. And it is really sad that we get this virginity as a gift thing. It's something that you give to someone or you lose it. Or it's like this concept of this this thing that's super important, not the intimacy of her, but like, you know, only one person is going to be the first one person. Right. Um, and Glee does that actually a lot really with a lot of their she's other She's trying couples. really hard to be sweet about it. It comes off as weird because I think that's the language that these two teenagers have. And it is kind of meaningful to him knowing that like, you know, there are lots of things of his life moving towards this place and he feels like he's lost all of them but the one thing he has is his soulmate and his soulmate is like take my hand keep your jeans on let's get under the covers <laughs> start your dirt flame fire and we will go into the future together and i'm gonna do this first thing with you like you are so sp- so like for her to choose him is to point out how special he very much is you know? Well, I, th- I think the writers intended for it for it to be, you know, this gift is a special gift. I think that yeah. for for me as a as a woman in today, I see that as well. That's stupid. Why would you oh. word it like that? But I think that the writers, in yeah, all of is, their, you know, problematic ideas of manhood awful. and masculinity and uh, it is coupledom and awful. whatnot. It, it's I think that their intentions. Mm-hmm. Were that it was supposed to come off as sweet, but as we all know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I also yeah, think that it's... I'm going to give Finn some credit to you. I think this is the first time I know Finn lost his virginity to Santana, but this is the first time he's actually having sex for love too, and that means something yeah. as well. So I will it give does. him credit for that. But I do, yeah, and that's the way. You know, getting back into Clay, though. I, I mean, mean he was he was very much just sort of waiting for the go ahead with Rachel. That's yeah, he was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. That's there was no conflicting. There was no let sure make make sure we're on the same. He just want he wanted to make sure, and and she does this in the final scene. She she lets him know that she's going to have sex with him because of him, not because of something she's going to get out of it. Right. You know, haha. She's not going to get anything out of it. Um, <laughs> well, not if he keeps <laughs> those jeans on. <laughs> Sounds abrasive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know. Prior, prior to, you know, she had really, she, she liked him and everything, but she also had a selfish motivation and she's trying really hard not to have a selfish motivation and it comes yeah. out super weird. But here the motivation is you and I are at a crossroads. You are at a crossroads with your high school staff self and I am at a crossroad with my younger self and we are going to hold hands and cross that bridge together. And you know, we get to see them snuggling. We get that I have a love and it's all that I have song and this montage of all the couples. And it's just, I think the only reason I find it sweet is because they are being dragged along by Clayne, who's like really raising the bar with it. Oh, yeah. If it had been some other couple 
unparalleled along with this. Yeah, can you imagine if it was like Wemma or something? Yeah, yeah. But, but but having having the claim parallel imbibes into what they're doing a greater sense of intimacy because the intimacy is done very well, you know, and you see them trying yeah. it. Well, and then we get in this ending montage, and I know that uh, that you know we don't get to see some hot and heavy here, um, which. Yeah, it would have been yeah. really interesting to see them really go at it. Oh, the Glee cutting room floor. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, um, when we, we actually talked that, about that quite at length um, in the second part. Of, I can of the, imagine. Yeah. Um, but here, I mean, we I, talked about it, so. I'm going to give props to the artsy kind of um, and very sweet and intimate implications. I still think oh, there could have been... Just- less layers. I mean, I think it would have been, I know Chris had offered to take off his shirt and why they didn't let him is just astounding Wait, to me, but, oh, you didn't know <laughs> about this? What? No. I'm still looking forward to that podcast now. Oh no, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I did not know that. Chris actually offered to take his shirt off for this last scene and they said no. Oh, I'm so mad at you. But, but you know, and it's interesting also, I always forget when I watch the episode that the claim is when they first show him on bed together, it's upside down. And is the reason for that because of, you know, two guys in a bed together, like, about to have sex? Or just what was going on with the whole upside-down imagery of that? You mean the pan? Yeah. Like, head to feet? Yep. Hmm. Oh, I, I just kind of thought it's, that it was their version of, like, a fade to black. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it was... It was sweet. It was network. It was, we're being interesting, but not too interesting. Um... We're going to keep your socks on because that's sexy. Oh, my God. Um, well, Kurt's wearing but, his jeans, too, but he's not under the covers. And I'd right, like yeah, to think that this is... Covers. I like to think this is before they start doing anything, not after. I, I think it'd be very weird if it was after. They've lost some light. Well, the condom's still on the ground, and it's not open. Tumblr CSI has told us that. <laughs> my my favorite, my favorite thing when this was airing originally was that all of these posts ended up with the gif of, that's a penis. Oh, my God. Um... <laughs> But like, I, I, Laura, I love you. I love this little. I like seeing it. Um, it's just the picture when when it's flipped the right side. It's just a gorgeous shot of the two of them. Uh, it's just I don't know. There's so much in it. Yeah, and you get the hand holding, the interconnecting of the fingers. I mean, it's just it's really it's really well done. Who knew Glee could do it. things so well? I know. <laughs> you can play the rest of the scene in your head. I mean, you know how this is gonna like play out. Yeah, upon rewatch, I was like, wow, this is really short. It is. Yeah. In but my I, mind, it was yeah. like 10 minutes long. <laughs> right. And it's like, you f- it's flash and it's done. But I love the, the, the really close-ups of, you've got Kurt's face, and he's so happy. I, I mean, even though it's kind of just this cheek and you can't see much, but he is, and I love that. And Blaine's so happy, and you get their hands. And I, I, my favorite though is when Kurt's laying his 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 head on Envoy's chest. I don't know. There's something very intimate and very just there in that moment together. No one else is there, and they really don't get a moment like that ever. And well, that the, I can think the of. Ol- the only problem with the scene is that Glee basically told us that they could do something this well, and so we were expecting something to be done this well again. Yeah, or at least every five times. Right. <laughs> and every time it would c- completely botched. We were like, we know you can do better. You did better. We saw it. 
you, yeah. you proved it to us. And so it, it raised our expectations. Yeah, and, the, that, and that's the old, that's the only problem with the scene. It raised yeah. our expectations. The, just the, the way this episode looks is yeah. so good. It's so good. And I love the, you know, when they, when they cut into the montage with the singing and the walking, you know, you get to see all the couples watching the performance. You see Kurt like lovingly. In his little I love I think it's supposed outfit. to be the next day that the, this performance of one hand, one heart is the next day because Kurt is so Finn's in the audience and he's happy and Kurt's in the audience. Yeah. And Finn and, couldn't be there otherwise. Right. And, and Kurt was watching and he wasn't happy the first time. So like this, this is the second night and he's just had sex and he is like loving his boyfriend. Well, you know, maybe Artie was right. That's why the scene's so good. <laughs> well, and I also, I, you know, there's a lot of meta out there about how, you know, this is a, a spiritual marriage scene too. I mean, these are really yeah. about, it's, it's sex, but it's also about intimacy. It's also about love. It's also about um, just connecting as Bert would say with another person. So it's so wonderfully what Bert tells him to, to wait for. No, I love it. And I, 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 this is why oh, this episode is one of my favorite clean episodes ever. It's why I fell in love with them. It's not the best episode they ever did. It's not my favorite episode of the whole series, but it is one of the most amazing episodes that, that they, they did in my opinion. So. It's a very good episode. Even with all of my I don't like X, I don't like Z, it's a very good episode. Yeah, totally. totally. There's a lot to pull out of it. In a ways, a lot of times you can't pull things out of Lee because you're just like, what? I mean, and we're going to get into that because now that we're past that, we're into some, oh gosh, rocky stuff after this. But We are. Um, <laughs> be glad you're not on the next podcast now. <laughs> um, well, a steady sea never made for a skilled sailor. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the saying. All right. <laughs> Have I mean, people I've... never heard that before? No, oh. I haven't. Okay. No. But, I, but I like right. it. It's fun. I, I, I grew up on the water. That's... We... All right. Well, on the water? Okay. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe. All right, then. <laughs> well, on that note. Um, oh, boy. Anything... No, and you can return, refer to me as man lover. Uh, snarky did we hit all of your notes was there anything else that you wanted we to did yay except well my one note is you know they had the montage and i'm like oh hey there's will <laughs> uh, yeah no let's not end with will let's end with this lovely photo of the two of, of clayne finally getting it on with their socks it's on. always for me whenever i think of this episode it's always the interlacing of the fingers and the hand holding yeah and the it's soft really focus sweet. and the i mean it goes along with the the hand meta and the one hand one heart and uh-huh. this you know metaphor for sex you know they, they're not gonna show it but they can you know allude to it in really powerful ways i think so yeah so yeah it's a solid episode. and you know in them choosing not to show it we were spared a finchel sex scene oh god yeah <laughs> that's too <laughs> well yeah. and and this Which is would have been a thing you know, this is the, as I often probably to the point of annoyance talk about, um, you know, the fairy tale clean aspect kind of reaches its height. And after this, we get kind of a more reality based claim, but in a, in a good way. I think that they start to really grow up and out of this fairy tale phase and become real people and real boys. And, and we get to see what ends up in season six. But this kind yes. of like 
I can't remember the that. saying about the ocean or whatever, but, you know, she can say it again. <laughs> a steady sea never makes for a skilled sailor. See, that's good. I'm so yes. not eloquent in my speaking. True. So. Very, yes. No. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for joining me on um, what is a, a really great episode and something that I'd love to talk about. So thank you for that. And um, I want you guys to join us next Sunday night when we get into the second part of our first time two-parter where we talk about the script and how very much different it is and, and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that went on and a lot of the fandom reaction stuff. And we have a lot of really great stuff coming up in the next episode. So thank you guys for joining me and we'll see you next Sunday. Stop.